On this podcast, our teen hosts discuss real life with real people. We hope to inspire others by sharing stories of individuals and pairs of friends who have dealt with mental health challenges or just the ups and downs of life and discussing what brought them healing and inner peace. In these episodes, we also talk about the role that friendship and connection plays in a person's emotional well-being. Subscribe to this podcast to be a part of our Friends on Air family. Friends on Air! And welcome to episode, I'm pretty sure this is 9 or 10 (laughs) of season 2. We're so excited to be here. All right, I will be your teen host. Alex, I'm in 11th grade, and I'll be your host. Awesome. Ooh, Alex. Thanks, Alex. I'm going to introduce myself as the uh, clinical mental health professional at the Friendship Circle. My name is Allie. I'm the wellness coordinator here. So that is my hat. I will also be like the guest. I don't want to spoil it. So. Yeah, you just spoiled it. I did okay. spoil it. <laughs> It's all good. Hi, everybody. I'm Anna Law. I'm the Teen Member Engagement Partnerships Coordinator at Friendship Circle. And I'm very excited to just sit here and mainly listen to both of our, uh, both our speaker and our host share very important um, insight into a very important topic. So thanks for having me here. All right. So today we have a very special guest from our very own staff who we all love. And I know we are all going to learn so much from her. Welcome, Allie. Woo! Thank you. And so nice is, to be here. This is really cool because Allie has been on every, almost every episode of Friends right. on Air. And we've never really got to hear from you. So, yes, this is a long time coming. And I think it's going to be a really cool conversation. Yeah. So every single story that we've had, I've been like, I connect so much to this. I'm so glad that people are sharing. And in the back of my mind, I'm like, you know... People might want to hear your story too, but I was like, maybe not. We'll see. I get a little shy and then I was like, no, that's not an excuse. Everybody has a story. Everybody has something to say that can impact other people's lives in an important way. And that's what I'm hoping to do. All right. So we want to get to know you better. So I'm going to ask you a couple targeted questions. Okay. Well, that's all right. <laughs> I'm not your target audience. Yes. All right. <laughs> what is your name? My name is Allie. 100% so far. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Is that short for Alex or Allison or what? That is short for Allison. And we were actually talking earlier that Alex's nickname is Allie. So this is a double Allie. Double Allie. That's right. If it's confusing, you can call me Allison throughout this recording. <laughs> that will throw me off. I know that that would be really formal, but I'll try to adjust. Yeah. Where are you from? So um, I am originally from Fort Myers area. Um Pine Island, Florida. Um, I was born in Atlanta, Georgia, and I moved here in 2009. So I think I'm an honorary Pittsburgher by now. I've been here like probably around two years longer than you, but that's all right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> we already discussed what you do, but if you'd like to go more in depth, you're more than welcome to. No problem. So I have worked at the Friendship Circle for November will be uh, around two years, which sounds wild to say, like the time has really flown by and a lot of important things have happened at the Friendship Circle and in my life personally, but I'm blessed like during that time to work with the teens and I'm switching over and I'm starting to work on wellness events and activities with our young adult population. So that's my newest gig at the Friendship Circle. Wait, can we pause for a second and congratulate you? 
Oh, sure. Because <laughs> for those of you, those trusty friends on our followers who have been watching us now for over a year and a half, I think we've been doing this. We've been able to like talk and witness your pregnancy and then you so are true. mysteriously gone and now you're back <laughs> and it's so exciting. And so congratulations, Allie, on your beautiful so daughter. You know, I think like Rivki was talking to me about a, a lot of like, go right into this, like cosmic timing and how things just sometimes they seem to align. And it's really neat to see how if you're living your life um, in a way that like you want to just the universe everything it, it's it's really cool to see how things align if you're paying attention but my little girl um her birthday her sixth month was yesterday we went in for her six month appointment today and then i got to come back to the friendship circle and like it, it really to be here feels like a full circle like moment for me so that's so sweet and alex and i alex you met the baby right yeah. we both had the privilege of meeting her and she's just the sweetest cutest child she is. I mean, she was yelling at doctors today for giving her shots, but yes. <laughs> okay, sorry, we can get back to you. Yeah, but thank you so much. So in one sentence, what are you here to talk about today? So I always love this part because whenever we ask people to do one sentence, I don't think anybody has ever actually done one sentence. So let me see if I can really do one sentence. Um, That's true, you're right. <laughs> I'm here to talk about um, depressive episodes, depressive symptoms, and how I personally experienced them, and how as a mental health professional, um, having this background and this knowledge has been helpful to me, and hopefully it can be helpful to other people, period. Yes. That was about two sentences, but I'll let it start. It was a really long sentence. It was a comment <laughs> <sentence>. and <laughs> yes. Also, this month is, I was it is, yeah, this month is, um, it's national, like, uh, depression awareness month as well so it falls in really well we thought it was timely to discuss this we know that a lot of people at some time or another are going to have at least a depressive episode something that they're going through so we think that this topic is going to relate strongly to a lot of our listeners all right so we're going to start off on a couple of upbeat notes so i'm going to ask you a couple of speed questions okay winter or summer oh my goodness um <laughs> is there no follow-up i was going to say i was no. like no <laughs> <laughs> it's, the, it's a bracket. No. It's a bracket. Okay. Winter I, or summer? Winter or summer? Um, I gotta go with uh, fall. You're <laughs> not I, there wanted, yet. I really want to choose fall. I'm upset. There's, there's, uh, there's gonna be another choice. Okay. So I will go with summer because I don't, I don't mind a healthy sweat. That's fine. That doesn't right. bother me. Fall or spring? Fall or spring? Always fall. So summer or fall? Always fall. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I see what you did. That was yeah. It's, it's like, like the, the, the rankings. Yeah. yeah. So coming from Florida, I never really experienced fall. And I think it's a new stimulus. It's so exciting that like every year I'm just, I'm blown away by the leaves changing and like the cool weather. And uh, I love it. I this is the best. best. The fall weather is the best weather. It's I just... agree. Even if my birthday is in the summer, which does make it better. It's all right. What about you, Alex? What? <laughs> a fall. Done. Fall, okay. Fall. <laughs> Winter over summer. Okay. And fall over spring. So my ranking goes from top to bottom. Fall, winter, summer, spring. Nice. Yeah. All right. Very nice. Fruits or vegetables? Fruits or vegetables. Um, fruits. What's your favorite fruits? What is my favorite fruit? Oh, that's a great question. 
Um, probably raspberries. I like berries. Mm, or mango. Or like mangoes. I was gonna answer with the same thing. So oh. I'm just not gonna. I'm just not gonna ask. Wait, raspberries is your favorite? I love raspberries. Really? That's so cool. Yeah. I never would have thought raspberries. They're so you can put them on your fingers like little like thimbles. <laughs> That's same, true. You same thing that. for olives. I'm imagining yeah, like ET situation now when I'm trying to talk about, talking about very serious things. Yeah. Head with like raspberry fingers or well, my head. We're, we're, start, we're starting. We'll, we're we'll starting get there. Okay. <laughs> if you could travel anywhere in the world, where would it be? Um, I would love to travel. I know Europe is like just like saying like, I would love to go to America. Um, <laughs> I would like to go to Europe probably, probably like. Italy, France, somewhere. I'm just really into architecture. Like wherever I go, I want to see cool architecture. Next. Great. How about you? I would also like to go somewhere in Europe. Okay. Preferably somewhere that's like, has like actual history because I, I enjoy them. I like to see the progression of time. In all It's good to the Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Hardest question. Mm-hmm. Cats or dogs? Dogs. Good answer. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. I know cats don't want a lot of love. Oh, okay. I agree. My uh-huh. favorite, I much prefer dogs, mostly because I'm allergic to cats. I am allergic to cats too. No way. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What's your what's your favorite dog breed? Um, my favorite dog breed to actually have or to look at. Look at pet, etc. So whatever. Use your own criteria. Okay, Corgi. To look okay. at, very cute. Okay. Okay. Lab to own, to run with, to hike, to be my forever companion, right? Like the lab life. Yeah. <laughs> How about you? Okay, so if I'm like snuggling with the dog, I definitely choose like a Newfoundland because that's just basically a bear. Yes. Oh, Like they, they have <laughs> Sorry, webbed, yeah, yeah. You know, you know they have webbed yeah, paws. They're like they have webbed <laughs> paws. That's so cool. I think Becca has a dog like that. Similar. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. um to look at uh, either like a shiba inu or a corgi also i used to have a shiba inu they're so soft they are they're really hard to train yeah <laughs> this is a hilarious conversation <laughs> all right we will focus like it's not our strength <laughs> on today's podcast we are going to discuss a topic that has become very relevant in recent times to many young people today's episode surrounds the topic of depression out as a mental health professional, can you outline what depression looks like for us? Sure, I can. So when we talk about depression, I think we think a lot about um, people say, oh, I'm feeling blue, I'm feeling down, I'm just feeling like a little sad. I want to say that it can be so much more than that. Um, depression is more than just feeling sad. It's something that you're feeling for most of the day, day in and out, day after day. The criteria from the DSM-5 is at least a period of two weeks that you're feeling this way. Um, then you would probably want to look into getting some help. So some of the things that you notice, aside from just feeling sad, there would be feelings of helplessness, hopelessness. Uh, Maybe you're starting to isolate from your family and your friends. You're not concentrating as well as you used to. You're having like some mental fog issues, et cetera. Um, I think it's really interesting for teens. It can look quite different than in adults. So I think like a lot of times when we're talking about teen depression, maybe um, parents will be like, I had no idea that they were depressed because it can look so different from how we as adults experience depression. And that's important to note, you know, in kids, it can even look like anger, irritability, um, low self-esteem, like feeling like you're not wanting to do things socially that you were doing, et cetera. 
Um, so to, to summarize it, I kind of went off on a little tangent. Sorry. It's looking and seeing, is this different from my, my regular moods? Um, is, is there fluctuations? What do they look like? And then we start to look into those symptoms, the length of time and the severity. Yeah, I agree. Okay. In my experience, that's definitely true. <laughs> so, okay. On a practical level, what does it look like when a patient comes in with depression? Sure. So we've already hit on some of that. And I want to make sure um, it's hard for me to follow along in my notes. So I'll probably just talk. But <laughs> so like I said before, we're looking at the degree of functional impairment. So somebody might be coming in um, and they might come in with mild depression. And that would look like as a clinician, there's um, different symptoms that we're checking off for like mild you would hit like five of those. So maybe you're feeling like you're having difficulty concentrating. Maybe you maybe you have a headache, like maybe you're in pain, like some of these aren't super obvious things. Um, maybe you like, feel like, oh, yeah, physical pain. Maybe you're having like brain fog, um, trouble eating. Maybe you're eating too much, uh, too little, et cetera. So it's different than what you're usually eating, maybe loss of appetite, et cetera. Um, moderate is you're hitting that qualifier of five, but this is more when we're going into like a clinician's um, kind of like their, their best opinion on what's going on, their professional opinion. And then there's severe. So we're finding those functionings are being impacted severely, anything symptoms in excess of five. So some of the ones we, we mentioned before, um, definitely important. But one of the things that I want to say for like teens with depression, like when you're coming in feeling like worthless or like guilty about things, like inappropriately guilty. So I'm thinking about things that maybe happened. Like I'm in, I'm in my shower in the morning. I'm thinking about things that happened like four years ago. That's not normal, right? Like, mm -hmm. so noting that that's something that I'm experiencing. Um, it could be a symptom of depression. It could be a symptom of anxiety. So going to your clinician, seeing what those symptoms add up to um, and getting that diagnosis is so important. What was, really the question? what was the question? No, no, it's good. No, it's good. <laughs> you're, you're, hitting all, you're hitting all those points. Okay. Wait, can I um, ask? Sorry, I'm, yeah. I'm not supposed to be involved here, but can I ask Alex a question to follow up on that? Because I'm curious yeah. to hear, Alex, from your perspective as a teen living in today's day and age, do those symptoms and stuff, like, do you feel like they're really present in your circles? If I want to say your own life, but like, if, would yeah, you say that, that that like rings true? For sure. I Everything that she said has definitely happen to either people I know or me. So like, I, I just cannot have said it any better. It's just so such an apt description. Sure. And you know, I, I want to hit too that, like sometimes when we're talking about like our friends and things and we're supporting them when they have depression, it doesn't, it's not always easy. So it's one thing on paper to see like depression looks like irritability. It looks like angry outbursts, right? Like it, it looks like I'm blowing up for no reason over small things. Like that can be really hard to support your friends to see it in yourself and even identify that it is depression. It doesn't always just like jump out at you as super obvious, at least in my experience. Yeah, it's not always self-evident. Right? Yeah. So I think that's also really important that we're talking about it today. Hopefully that awareness, you know, people recognize um, it's more than just like the I'm sad. Yeah. Yeah. So that answers my next question of, whether or not it's easy to detect. So sometimes yes, but generally no. Yeah, um, I think in my own experience, and I'll talk about this a little bit more, um, I like I come from the mental 
health background that I have, you know, having, um, you know, worked in outpatient clinics, drug and alcohol settings, truancy, et cetera. Um, I've seen patients who range in age from three to in their 90s. Like, you know, I've seen a lot of people. I specialized in mood disorders when I was working in an outpatient setting. I did not recognize when I was having a depressive episode. I don't think it's all, you know, and you're supposed to know yourself, ideally. I don't think it's always super obvious. Um, I think that depression can be really tricky. I think that it can wear a mask. I think it can look like a lot of different things. Um, I think for myself, even like experiencing depression in the past has been super physical for me. So that's not what people always look and run straight to in terms of diagnosing is depression. So I think for some people, they come in and it's, it's very easy. You know, you're sitting there and you're having conversations that are very tearful, maybe overly so. Um, you know, people are saying, I'm really depressed. I can't enjoy things anymore. I'm not sleeping. I mean, it's easier to say, hey, that sounds a lot like depression. But like I said, depression sometimes can be a very, very tricky thing to diagnose. Yeah, it's like what you said about not being able to really accept it yourself, like see it without somebody else pointing it out. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like proofreading an essay that you wrote. You don't really see the mistakes. You just see it like, oh, that's normal. Right. But somebody else just like points it out. It just comes so obvious. You're like, oh, yeah, that is incredibly true, Alex. That's very insightful. Thank you. Absolutely. <laughs> so, okay. So lead us through your journey. When did depression or negative health, mental health in general, begin to impact you? Okay. And this, you know what? Um, <laughs> phew. Okay. So I just want to like a little background information. I think this is so important to note. Like growing up, very like, I, people might relate to this, very high achieving, um, honors classes, tend to be perfectionistic, right? Like, I was taking like a math class and I I got like a 98. I was like, okay, how can I raise that to a hundred though? Right? Like that's just where my mind was typically at, um, you know, doing a couple of sports um, involved in like my youth group, stuff like that. Like I always, always stayed busy. Um, And, you know, my mom would tell me, you know, growing up, you're such a happy child. And that was like almost like a confusing statement that she would say to me because she's like, it doesn't like a depressive episode, what? Like, you, you're you happy, like, what? <laughs> and, um, you know, it was hard for me to wrap my head around the fact that um, probably that I needed help or there were signs before it got to a point where I definitely needed help because just that high-functioning nature in me was that, like, I wanted to mask the depressive symptoms. I wanted to be okay. And if I could show up for work or if I could show up for school, then there wasn't a problem. So, like go back to my first episode. I want to say I was 19 years old living in Florida. My parents were out of state at this time and I was going to school and I was living with some of my roommates and pretty much on my own other than my friends. Um, I just noticed like that I was just sleeping in and like I was missing work. And normally I'm a big, like I'm the best person at work, right? I was working as a barista I would just not go to my morning shifts. And I remember waking up and thinking like, if I go to sleep and I miss it, then like it, like, then I'm not responsible. Then like, I don't even know like, how to yeah, explain like it. You just yeah. miss your alarm. Or right. So I was like, I was doing these things. Um, 
And it was very out of character. Of course, I felt horribly guilty. Like I felt like I was the worst employee in the world, etc. Um, I was kind of hoping that they would fire me so that like, I wouldn't have to quit and say I'm having problems. Like I just wanted them to do it for me, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this was going on. The only thing I managed to do was like get to a couple of my art classes at college because I felt like when I was doing art, at least I was still doing a really good job. Like I had, it was like an easy A, you know, I'm good at art. It was something that I still could keep up with. Like my art was like what I was holding on to as like, okay, like you're, you're doing a good job with this. I was still hanging out with my friends and stuff at this time. I hadn't like started isolating in that way. Um, but I do remember like isolating from my mom and my family because I, I was just not hungry. I was losing a lot of weight. I didn't want them to see this like situation and be worried about me, which note for all teenagers, not talking to your mom makes them worried. Uh, <laughs> so like, but it didn't make sense to me to at the time in my brain, I was like, I'll just avoid everyone and then they'll know I'm okay, which depression makes you isolate. So um, I was doing that. And then I, at one point I finally opened up to a friend. I said, I think I'm depressed. Like I didn't have, a, you know, everybody was like, oh, you're just a struggling artist. It's okay. Um, but I was like, no, I think something's wrong. Like I'm not sleeping. Everything's kind of, you know, at this time I'm hitting all these criteria that I didn't know about because I had no knowledge in it. Not like the teen wellness committee that has a lot of knowledge. They're so cool. (laughs) They're so miles above where like I was at their age. But anyways, um, you know, I talked to him about it and he said, oh, I don't think I can be your friend anymore. I had depression in the past. I don't want to, I don't want to get it again. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, but this hurt. Like, this was really, yeah. like, so this first episode, like, this taught me, well, first of all, spoiler, you cannot catch depression, guys. <laughs> um, but it taught me, again, to, and kind of reinforced that, that, like, holding it in was what you needed yeah. to do. So I would say at this point, this depressive episode, this was probably about as bad as it got um, in terms of not having connections to family, not having a lot of connections to friends. Um not having that background, any background, pretty much in mental health. So that's that was my first episode. How are we holding and how are we feeling? That was a lot. <laughs> yeah, that was a lot. Um, There's something that you said um, when you talk about connection. It's really interesting because I feel like we always come down to this, mm-hmm. which is how large of a role connection plays in general when it comes to like mental health. Your, your mental state of being, I guess, of how you can heal. Like so much of, so much of our lives rely on connections. Um, um, yeah, fundamentally. Yes. So sometimes it's not even, I mean, and well, I think we'll probably get into like the way that you found healing and mm-hmm. um, I don't know, maybe we'll talk about therapy, medication. There are obviously many, many uh, practical hands-on tools that you can, or steps you can take to, gain a a better mental state and on top of that I think it's really cool to know how big of an impact strong healthy connections can play in that healing journey too I know we've talked about it before but it always blows me away and it's worth mentioning again this fact that I learned in grad school um for anxiety and depression mild to moderate like talking to a friend or family member is just as effective as a therapist And not that I'm not anti-therapist, I'm pro-connection. Like if you can have these connections with people and if you can be that connection for somebody, 
amazing. Like you don't have to have all the knowledge in the world of mental health. Like you don't have to be a professional. You just have to be there. And I think that's so powerful. Yeah. So that's the that's the positive lesson from yeah. this first episode. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's a solid, solid takeaway. For sure. Yeah. Um, so my I have two more episodes that I want to hit on only because I feel like they're important in terms of learning. Um, but I'm wondering, like, if there's any questions you had about that or anything. Yeah. Uh, around when did you start to seek help or support? So um, I I realized it was getting so bad. I, I called my mom. I want to say this was like November or maybe the end of November or early December. And I said, I think I just need to come and live with you guys. So like not like professional help, but I just called my mom. And she said, all right, I'm coming to pick you up. Like, just immediately came and drove her car and came and got me. And you were at um, college at the time. Yeah, at the time, college, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, but I went back to college. You know, everything turned out all right. But I, I just really needed, at, at that point, to take a step back, be with family. Um, she was in North Carolina at that time. And I remember just uh, this beautiful, like, area, just wooded, perfect for, like, walking. And it was snowing, things like that. And I just was reading East of Eden, I think at the time, just like reading a book that I really enjoyed and trying to get back to um, just being with people again in like a supportive way. And I think from there, that's when my life began to change. Okay, so would you like us touch on your other episodes? Yeah, sure. Um, so the next one I had, and I, I think this is important to note because I feel like it was brought on more by environmental factors, which can happen to anybody. I know sometimes people will say, I don't like, I don't have any mental health issues. I don't have to worry about it. I think it's important to note all of us can be vulnerable at, at any time. So 2016 into 2017, uh, my father-in-law passed and he was somebody that was really important to me. Um, he passed with cancer. And then at that time I um, connected through a family member. I was being severely bullied by this girl Um but I felt like there was like no way out of it. <laughs> it was it was horrible. It was one of the worst times of my life. Um, and these things just like it really led to another episode. However, um, I didn't know it was an episode. So um, I'll give you an example. And it was it was like super physical. In 2015, I ran the Pittsburgh Marathon. By 2016, in this depressive episode. I cried walking up the flight of stairs to my apartment, three flights, because it lit- it hurt that much, like in my body, to walk. So I spent like a lot of that time on the couch, not just because I was like I'm very sad, but I was like I'm in so much pain, I don't know what's going on. Um, got diagnosed with chronic fatigue syndrome, which is just basically that's like I don't know what's going on, but <laughs> some- something's going on. Um, I could sleep like all day, and. I would just like, I would still be tired. Like I could just, my brain fog was just incredible, incredible. Like I can't explain it to you. Like when I think I'm having a bad day with pregnancy or <laughs> sleep deprived baby, whatever is going on now, like it, it was it paled in comparison to just like the lack of functioning that I felt that I had. And of course with depression, I was like, oh, I, you know, I feel very, I feel, I feel stupid, which is just, I mean, I don't say that about myself now or anybody that has depression, but that is truly what I felt. Um, like why can't I get it together yeah yeah basically um and finally you know after I went and I had a sleep study I was even diagnosed with narcolepsy like the the changes in my brain were that profound that like I fell asleep 
quick enough to be diagnosed with narcolepsy, which I think is just incredible. When we're talking about, you know, people dismiss like depression as like, it's just how you feel, snap out of it, etc. Like, oh my goodness, is that not accurate or true in any way? Um, so we finally figured out what was going on. Um, you know, having my husband there for me was really important. And big shout out to him because through better or worse, like he, he helped me with like life tasks. Like he made sure that I was eating. He made sure that I was showering. Like he made sure that every single thing about my life was being taken care of to the best of his ability. Um, you know, to the point where he would like feed me bites of food, make sure I was eating. Like he's, he's my rock. Okay. I love him. (laughs) And I would do the same thing for him. And I think that's amazing, you know, because part of the human condition is our ability to love and be loved. And I think that was so important that I accepted that during that time, even though I didn't, I didn't realize it was a depressive episode. Um, definitely, definitely really hard for me, but figuring that out was so important. And I think um, it really set me on to the next steps of my life as like a professional, like what I'm doing now. Um, I had to stop working at an outpatient therapy center that I was at at the time, which was one of the hardest decisions of my life. I was their only um, clinician who was able to diagnose and write treatment plans. Uh, it was it was rough. Um, then I had my full caseload and I told these clients what was going on and they're like, we don't care. Like, we still want to see you. Even if you're struggling, like you're still helping us. Oh, wow. And, uh, you know, so I told myself in my brain, I was like, yeah, like keep going. You have to for these people. And then eventually I was like, I just, but I can't like there came to a point where you, you just have to stop for yourself and to be able to help more people in the future. Um, so I think that was really important to me. And that was the last professional job that I have before I started at the friendship circle. So oh my, that sounded like a lot. That, that was a lot, but I think so much <laughs> of that. And as we were talking, I was thinking that I wanted to like give an, a little, I'm sure all of our listeners who are in tune with like the mental health, world i think the statistic now is that one in four people mm-hmm. will be diagnosed with a mental health disorder is that correct that's, yeah that's the current and i i think i was listening even like sometime last week they said that at least 10 percent of the population is going to experience a depressive episode right so even if you don't have a mental health disorder you're probably going to have this experience or know somebody who's experienced this right sure. so that's exactly what i was thinking like depression is something that is a, a term that people use so freely nowadays, like, oh, I'm depressed or, oh, like, I think there are positives and negatives to that. Some people mm-hmm. misuse the term and maybe you could speak to that a little bit. I don't know if you being somebody who lives with depression, if that, like, if you are extra passionate about using the language properly, I know I've been kind of passionate about that in the past. Um, but I just wanted to say that, like, it's so important to hear this story because although we use depression so like we use the language so um, commonly, is that a word? Yeah. yeah. Um, it's really, it, it's something that's really like affecting people's lives in major ways. Um, so just to validate to anybody that's out there and listening and relates to what you're saying. Well, I guess I'm, what I'm saying is that I think so many people will relate and do relate to parts of your story. So sure. thank you for like sharing, you know, the details, yeah. even if they're like heavier or harder. Yeah, no problem. And I hope like lesson from each episode. Okay, the second depressive episode. <laughs> I hope that people can take away, you know, if people rely on you and you feel like 
I don't have time to get mental health treatment for myself because, you know, I'm working full time or I'm involved in family life, um, social stuff, whatever, like exact opposite. You, you can't take care of other people unless you take care of yourself. And there's nothing wrong with stopping and getting help. Yeah, I completely agree. So how does your mental health and these diagnoses in particular affect your daily life? Okay, so I would say always it affects me. Um, I haven't had a mood episode in four, four plus years. So that's that's amazing. Per my last episode, which I can probably go through and tell you when we're talking about like what I learned, my last episode, um, I learned a lot of things and it, it helped me. And I think it got me to this point when that ep- when that last episode ended, like I'm here. So in 2019, we'll, we'll just go over yeah. the last, the last one um, before my period of wellness, which I'm looking forward to talking to you guys about too. Um, in 2019. So I knew what was happening at that point. Um, you know, I had been on medication before to stabilize my moods. I kind of saw that things were happening and it wasn't okay. So I went to um, a psychiatrist. I was put on medication and um, I also saw a therapist. She She's really amazing. So I had to go through two therapists before I got to one that I was comfortable talking to, which I also, side note, you should always, always find somebody that fits the goals that you have for therapy and that flows with you and has good rapport. It's so important. Um, but I finally started talking to this therapist that I was comfortable opening up about some of my past episodes. We went from a perspective, okay, so now what can be learned? And when you're in this episode and you're not feeling like yourself, how are you like maintaining? What things are you going to do for yourself? Um, I always, I call it like telling on myself. I, even if I don't want to, I tell my family and friends right away when I am having like issues. Um, I'm like, hey, I'm feeling really irritable today. That's probably why I yelled at you over like a candy bar. Sorry, <laughs> you know. Um, and it's not it's not always super fun to tell people that because sometimes I feel like they're very hyper hyper vigilant. But I'd rather have it be that way and have them be wrong and be supporting me and looking out so that these symptoms can be caught before it becomes a bigger issue, like before like my mild episode becomes very severe. So um, I learned that about myself that I have to communicate. And that I wasn't shutting people out this time. That was so important for me. This time I was trying to connect with at least one person a day, even if it was just a text message. Um, I didn't have a job at this point. So I was going to even just going to coffee stores and being around people. Super helpful. Bring a book. Like you don't have to talk to anybody, but it's a human condition to want to be with people. It's natural. Um, I would hang out with my family and friends. And my real rock, other than my husband during this time, was my best friend and sister-in-law. So I would talk to her about some of the things that I had been experiencing. I have in my family, like, some OCD tendencies, like, perseveration, too, which can make the negative thoughts from depression really tough because they kind of get stuck in your brain. (laughs) So I would tell her, like, when this stuff was happening. Like, I would just vocalize it, and she would just go for a walk with me we get to talk about it. And then she would talk about something else and kind of take my, my mind off of it for a little bit. So letting my family know what's going on is so important. Um, but like, remember way back when, you know, I told you 19 years old and when I told somebody uh, like what was going on and they basically ended the friendship. Uh, I always have this like fear that that's going to happen again. And we were, I remember one thing in particular, we we're walking around the mall and I was talking to her. And I said, so how does it like make you feel that I just told you all of that? 
Um, and she says, well, I feel like a little uncomfortable because I feel like I'm not a professional and I don't know what to say. I said, well, thank you for telling me. I was like, first of all, I want you to know like you're doing everything perfect. Like just being here with me is enough. That's all I need from you. She's like, well, you can tell me anything. Like I love you so much. And like, that was it. That's like, (laughs) again, um, really that like helped me to see that I've been, you know, I've been struggling for years and years and years. And my family and friends know who I am at the core of who I am. And they know, and just being a human, you're worthy of love. But they know this person and they're willing to stick it out when I'm sick. And, um, you know, I would do I would do the same for them. I think that was a learning for me is like, I would absolutely as a professional, as a human, do this for other people. I'm deserving of this, you know, innately because I'm a human, a person of value. Just because I have depression doesn't mean that I shouldn't take care of myself or deserve, you know, people to to take care of me too when I need it. How does your mental health and these diagnoses in particular affect your life? So um, I think for myself, it's a not just a depressive episode. It's having a mood disorder. It's having something chronic, like having a mental illness. Um, even if I'm in a point of like remission and wellness, I still need to work to maintain my mental health all the time. That's just something that maybe um, other people might not have to as proactively do on a day-to-day basis, I definitely do. And I know that part. Like I need to make sure that I'm eating pretty healthfully, you know, which can be, it can be hard. Some people say, well, you know, why don't why don't you want to eat this certain thing or that certain thing? And I have to say, well, um, you know, it's what I need to do to maintain my mental health. Um, also doing some kind of movement every day is like, for me, it's, it's so important. It doesn't have to look like really intense exercise. It just means I have to go for a walk. Like I have to get out. I have to move my body. Um, I have to take medication. Like that's, that's what I do. Um, you know, I feel like there's some judgment about that. And, you know, even with mental health professionals, we say, oh, well, everybody can get to the point where they're well enough and then they don't need to be on medication. I say that's not the case and you need to do what works for you. So I maintain on medication. I probably will be all my life. And if I have like daily stressors, things that come up, uh, my therapist, who I successfully discharged with says, I can always come back and talk to her. And then I see a psychiatrist as well. So, you know, absolutely, uh, you know, it affects my daily life because I just have to, it's always present and I have to be mindful of it. And it's beautiful that you have such a strong support system. I think that's probably part of it is making sure that you have those people and those resources that you're like actively consistently checking in with. Absolutely. Yeah. I think places like the friendship circle, where we're talking about the connection, um, that's, that's healing. And yeah, to have that, it affects me and my wellness more than anything. So for all of those points, I agree. I, so those things can yeah. help me also. Awesome. If there's one thing I could add, uh, putting things into like a schedule really helps having order in the day. Definitely. I mean, it definitely helps for me. I don't know if it helps for everybody, mm-hmm. but just planning things out. Like, okay, I'll do this now, and in 20 minutes, I'll do this. That just significantly helps because without it, there's just a lot of chaos, and that can lead to like a slippery slope. So. I agree. Yeah, making a schedule for yourself is very helpful. And I can relate to that too. It's one. Yeah.
If you could give advice to teens at risk right now, what would it be? So I think one of the first things that I would say, and this is just from personal experience, being a teen, figuring out, um, you know, those depressive symptoms is don't shut yourself off. Um, Like I said, you are worthy of love. People care for you. Please go and talk to somebody, even if it's just starting out talking to your PCP. Um, you don't have to go straight to a mental health professional. Just mention it at a checkup, like talk to somebody. If you could give advice to teens at our school. Okay. Thanks. Uh, I have an example, yeah. actually. I spoke to a teen recently who was talking about some of these symptoms, like you mentioned, um, some that are coming to mind. I don't know if you specified this, but I know we've talked about it in the past, like having a messy room or not showering or not brushing your teeth, like things that are um, kind of present themselves like things that should be easy, I guess, that are that come easier to people who aren't dealing with depression. But when mm-hmm. you're dealing with this diagnosis, everything becomes like such a drag and like takes a lot of effort and energy. So I guess that's an example of what kind of practical steps should somebody take in that case? Sure. So I'd say start with what I would call easy obtainable behavioral goals. So for you, if walking... 30 minutes sounds completely impossible. And you remember my story marathon verse up the steps, do what you can do. Um, if it's too hard to, to take a shower, like maybe use some baby wipes, like do whatever your obtainable thing is. If it's really hard to go for a walk, walk to the kitchen there and back, get a snack a couple times a day. Like you just small goals that you know you can master and then build off of that is the best way to, to create that momentum, all while hopefully getting support from a professional. Um, also, I want to say just practically, um, if you're noticing these symptoms and classify it maybe at like as like mild, I would say go get help from like a preventative standpoint. So think about it like, I don't know, like physically, if you have a cold, you say, oh, it's just a cold, I'm fine. Like, I'm not a baby, it's cold. Um, well, that cold can turn to pneumonia. And now you're in the hospital, right? So it would have been a whole lot easier to just go and, and get help for that head cold when you first noticed it coming on. It's the same thing for like a depressive episode, you know, getting help um, and just talking to somebody. I can't, I can't discount that enough. Yeah. yeah. You have a favorite song, album, book, hobby, artwork, quote, etc. Something that like really helped you through this or something that like epitomizes what you Sure. So today, like, um, I was listening to a meditation and it's something that I've been listening to for like a couple days and it's a positive affirmation meditation. Um, and it said, you are innately valuable. Just, just you, like you are valuable. You're connected to everybody and you have the capacity to love and be loved. So just you. So I want you to know if you're listening right now, like you are valuable, you matter. Um, that's why we're here at Friends on Air to talk about mental health and make people realize like that their individual stories matter and that hopefully you've inspired some people, right, Alex? Yeah, could say that you are enough. You are enough. In fact, we have is- merch that says <laughs> you like, are enough. And take that. it one day at a time. So for people who are listening and not viewing, no, our merchandise is amazing. Um, and I will plug it. <laughs> and I just want to say that was a seamless, natural, unplanned plug. Thank you. 
And if you're, you should all tune into the video on YouTube if you're listening right now, just to see a visual, first of all, of our beautiful new space, which we didn't even talk about. Uh, but we're in this really, really nice, cozy area. We have a little fireplace going, and Alex is modeling one of our sweatshirts, and Ali is modeling one of our t-shirts. And go get our merch if you don't have it already. Right. I think that was great. It that was great. great. <laughs> and then Alex, how about you? What's, what's something that brings you healing and joy? Something that brings me healing and joy. So I'm not such a big reader and I'm not such a big hobbyist either. And I'm not such a big fan of like painting or anything like that. But music, I really just listening to music, exploring new types of music, different genres. Just exposing yourself to different things definitely helps. For me, it was like early 2000s hip hop. Mm. I thought you were going to say Taylor Swift. That's fine too. Oh, I love Tay Tay. <laughs> My name did. That's why I was like, thought it was coming. But wait, what's a good what's an artist from your 2000s hip hop? Uh, hey Ya by Outkast is like nice. really good. It has like songs with really in depth meanings mean a lot and also just covers of different songs the way that someone can just express those same words in a different way changes the entire meaning of everything thank you Allie thank you for being willing to contribute and share your experiences in today's episode we talked about depression exclamation point <laughs> <laughs> just <laughs> Yeah, we, we talked about depression, my own personal experiences, how with each episode I had, um, it varied in length, severity, uh, my knowledge and like getting help, how those kind of things truly helped to have uh, lessened episodes. And I hope that people learned from my experience and I hope that if they're having any of these beginning symptoms, they will absolutely go and see somebody, get help, um, just talk to a friend. What's also so powerful is that you yourself are a mental health professional. And I don't know if we hear a lot of mental health professionals opening up about their own stories, um, which I think is really cool and special because I know so many teens who struggle with mental health challenges. And I would consider myself a teen who struggled with mental health challenges. And sometimes you doubt that you know, you feel like you have this insight and you like know what depression feels like and you know what it's like to struggle with mental health and you want to help people who are going through a similar experience. But sometimes you like have these doubts because, well, how can I, how can I be the support if I need support? Mm -hmm. But I think it's just so cool to see that you're sharing, you know, how you struggle yourself, but it doesn't, it doesn't have to stop you from being there to help others. Um, in like a professional kind of a way. Absolutely. The struggle does not negate the strength. In fact, I think it increases it, so. Right. Yeah. Thanks, Ali. Thank you. Thank you, guys. If you'd like to hear more stories and episodes like this, subscribe to the podcast. And we just want to wish you well. Um, thanks for being part of our French family. And signing off. For friends, friends on air! air.